you're getting ahead of, of the water rising and sometimes it doesn't. It feels like you're getting behind. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, the great thing is, is Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So he didn't ever intend for them to drown out there. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. So that sounds to me like it's getting swamped. Uh, rather disconcerting thing. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Nothing like the person that you look to to, you know, that lead you or makes you feel better that they're there. And they're asleep. This uh, emergency. Asleep at the wheel, as they say. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awaked him. And they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I suppose it would seem like he didn't really care if he was asleep. You know, and I, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, fast forward a few years in the book of Acts, uh, Peter was chained between two guards and was getting ready to perish, and he was asleep. So he had the sense of peace in knowing that these things turn out okay, you know, and, um, you know, I think at this point, they, you know, I don't think they were, they had any idea what would happen to them if they died, necessarily. You know, they're probably thinking, man, I hope I, uh, hope I've got all my sacrifices in order and all that. You know, by the time you, you have Peter chained between these two prison guards, you know, he knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to see Jesus again. So he's fine with that. But in either case, they have peace in this uh, tempest. And he arose. So he let him wake him up. You know, uh, and I, I love that song that I uh, um, can't think of his name sings. Mike Bolding that he sings. It's called Your Cries Have Awoken the Master. And he talks about about this very story. And, and how, you know, uh, I like that idea of, uh, you know, He's he's asleep, but but he he's awakened by you needing him and, and reaching out to him. Um, and when you have when you have babies, you know that that really kind of hits home to you because it's hard to sleep through a crying baby. Very 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 hard. <laughs> Unless you're me. Um. <laughs> Thank you. No, yeah, man, Cynthia used to try and get me up to help her with the baby. It's like, okay, I'll nurse him and change his diaper and all that stuff. Was, oh, you know, kind of, um, it was so pathetic. But eventually she she just, like, sleep on now, take your rest. Like, <laughs> it's like, I shall deal with this. It's like, I'll, I'll take the, the, the punishment. So, um but so he so he 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 rises up when they they've called on him they woke him up and uh you know if it was me they shook me awake shouting at me i would probably not be too happy probably be quite grouchy of course he's jesus so he just he gets up and it says he arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm so so right away he he speaks peace to the storm and, and brings brings an end to those things. And uh, 
And he said, and then he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So, so he asked them this question. He's like, did I, did I tell you we were going to the other side or, or did I tell you we were going to go out in the lake and drown? And, and so, uh, so he's, he seems to be somewhat, uh, you know, he says it like he's confused. Like, why would you be so afraid? It's, it's me, right? You know, uh, but, you know, I think, you know, the Bible says that, that Jesus didn't need anyone to testify to him what was in man. He already knew what was in man. I don't think he was asking them because he didn't know. I think he was confronting them with their sense of why are you so afraid of this thing? Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, with the way that we, we behave in a situation is what the, you know, uh, the, if you've ever heard the phrase, a knee jerk reaction. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we, uh, we act without, you know, thinking, uh, just based on this emotional response to the things that are going on around us. Um, and, uh, there's nothing like having somebody calm and rational talk to you about it and, and, and ask you, well, why is it like that? You know, and, uh, you know, again, I, I, uh, I keep going back to these examples of dealing with children. And it's like, you know, when you get a kid that's really worked up about something, it's like, well, that's usually like how I like to diffuse them. I start asking them questions. Is it the end of the world that he he took your rubber band? Well, yes, I do. I do well to be angry for the rubber band, you know. No, no, you don't. But... Uh, Something about that questioning. It's like, well, why are you so fearful? It's like, well, I was fearful because I, you know, looked like we were going to drown, and now I feel really good because now it's all calm and nice out there. So circumstantially, everything looks grand. So now I'm now I'm good. I was fearful before because it wasn't. Uh, uh, but he ties the sense of being fearful into their level of faith. You know, and the interesting thing about faith is there's no no faith dipstick that you can pull out and check it and see you know, see if you're a court low or whatever. You can feel it though when you start getting low on it, you know, because it's not something you can grab hold of and quantify. But when when it when your sense of uh, faith in His goodness and His um, care begins to dwindle, then you can feel it because then the fear thing starts happening again. And, uh, and of course, uh, that faith is a renewable resource because we get replenished by coming to Him and, and spending that time in His Word and in His presence. Uh, so go with me to Matthew 14. If you were planning on going out to the lake, this afternoon after church, I don't mean to make you nervous. I really like this story. In Matthew 14, starting in verse 22, uh, I have this painting in my office. Um, and uh, and you see in this painting Jesus walking out onto the water. And, and his hair is all blown back, and his, his robes like whipping around him. It's like it just—I mean, it's obviously it's a picture, but it's there. You can just 
get this sense of how much how violent the wind is in this in this uh, that's that's going on right then. You know, his hair is wet and like blowing back, and and he's walking out onto the water, and the waves look really choppy and and stuff. And uh, you know, I've I've seen it uh, with scriptures on it. Mine does, and I've seen it without the scriptures on it. And the first time I saw it, it didn't have any words with it. It just had this picture, and I thought, wow, that's a really powerful image. Just that sense of of him walking out onto the water because they needed him. He wasn't out. He wasn't impressing anybody. There was nobody there until he got to where the boat was. But he he uh, had no other way to get to them but to just walk out there, and so he did. Um, so in Matthew fourteen twenty two, now they've just fed the five thousand, and. Uh, so they've had another big, big long day, big meeting. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him into the, unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. You know, I know we've talked about that a lot around here. But so, okay, so last time we got on the boat, Things were pretty bad, but we had we had you in the boat, and and so it was okay. In fact, when you read that story in John, it says that uh, actually maybe it's this one it says that once they received Jesus into the boat, uh, then the ship was immediately where where they were going. And I don't confess to understand that necessarily, other than what it says. But now he's he's going to hang out. Like you guys go on ahead, and I'm gonna pray. Um, it's like, and you know, you know, they're thinking, "Well, pray for me, because you're putting me on the boat." And uh, I don't know much about sailing. Seems to me sailing during the daytime might be a little more comfortable, normal. I don't know. See, everything to me seems more comfortable in the daytime. You know, I mean, maybe it's because I grew up in town and. Like, you know, I don't know. You know, you know walking around town at night's not always the greatest thing. Uh, but he, uh, so he sends them away and he goes to pray and he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves for the, wave, the wind was contrary. You ever get in those kind of places? It's like God sends you out on some pathway in your life. And now the winds are contrary. And you start thinking, maybe that wasn't God. Shouldn't this be, shouldn't the wind be at my back? Shouldn't I just be sailing smoothly across the waters uh, to my desired haven in my, you know, shiny, sleek yacht? And, uh, you know, we'll do some, uh, some deep sea fishing on the way over there and, Get where we're going, and we'll have uh, you know swordfish steaks, and you know it's like all that stuff. We know better than that, but that's how we think. It's like this isn't going like I hoped it would. Therefore, this must not be the right thing. And uh, you know, man, I've done that a lot in my life. Usually, the things that God would have you do are not so smooth. I mean, he he he'll he'll make a way for you, and sometimes it's 
it's really, you, you can tell that he's blessing it. And you can tell that he's just opening these doors uh, and making a way for you to, to get through these tight places. But right alongside that, there's usually all this other stuff that's not so easy. And, uh, you know, it, it could be anything. Uh, you know, Mike and I always had these these goals of, wouldn't it be so nice to, like, have other people paint? And you and me, like, sit in the air conditioning in the summertime and, and uh, you know, you know or nice clothes to work, not need a shower at the end of the day, and you know, not not wake up the next morning feeling like the Tin Man. I mean, would that be awesome? You know? And I never really thought much about how much emotional discomfort it takes to get from where I was to where I wanted to be, or thought I wanted to be at least. And uh, uh, I heard this interesting phrase a while back. Uh, um, and it's true, people think this way. Better the devil you know than, than the angel you don't. You know, people are more comfortable with staying in this place that is unpleasant, but at least familiar, rather than stepping out into the unknown to, on their way to some great thing that, that, you know, that maybe some, something that God's put before you to do. Because it looks like a big question mark. And so it's like, well, I don't know how this is going to work. This makes me really uncomfortable, um, you know. And and the the you know a good example would be the children of Israel, you know, you know, pining for centuries that they wanted to be freed from Egypt, and they were freed from Egypt. It's like, eh, let's go back to Egypt. I, you know, I missed the leeks and the onions and and all that. And uh, so. So they have now gone out in the boat, gone out on the water, and the wind is contrary. You know, they are going at the express command of Jesus to, to get in the boat and go. So then, uh, being at his, you know, doing this because he's told them to, then, you know, faith says, this is going to be fine. God told me to do this. This may be uncomfortable. Uh, but it, this, this should work out fine, you know. And and I like the attitude that um, that the three Hebrew children had going into the fire because they they recognized God can fix this and and everything come out okay. But if not, you know, if if we just burn to a crisp in there, that's still okay because things still turn out good for me. You know, and uh, um, that's not really so much the way we, uh, you know, we approach those things. Like, well, actually, you know, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? Oh, don't get me started. You know, um, I've uh, uh, there have been plenty of times I uh, uh, spent some time gnawing my knuckles off, thinking about the uh, the, the what ifs of what could go wrong, what may not turn out uh, in, in this, this great adventure that God is sending me forth on. Um, but they are, you know, sometimes ignorance is a really great thing too because if you don't know how bad something could be, then it doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. 
Another good example from my life, if Mike and I had any idea how complicated running a business was, uh, we probably would have never done it. If we had any idea how much we didn't know, we probably just thought, eh. But, you know, God led us that direction, and we were blissfully ignorant of it. It's like, oh, man, this is great, you know. Like, we can do this job. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. And, uh. Um, so sometimes not knowing can be a good thing, uh, and and when when you don't have all the answers and you know you don't have all the answers, but you know that he does have all the answers, there's a sense of of resting in his faithfulness that that makes those things not so frightening to go through, because uh, he has that answer. And so you don't have to necessarily worry about it. You know, um, uh, some of the guys that uh, that work for us now used to work for themselves. And we've had some rather um, challenging customers to deal with. Um, but, it's you know, the guys were telling us, you know, it's really nice because it used to be I had to deal with all this stuff. And now I can just be like, well, here's Greg's number. Give him a call. Here's Mike's number. Give him a call, and uh, you know they they can defer that thing to us, and they don't have to deal with it. And uh, but our life is like that. It's like, well, here's this thing that I have no idea what to do with. So I know God has an answer. I don't have an answer. I know God has an answer. I may not have that answer just yet, but I can trust Him to bring it, and I can trust it to. All just work out in his timing. So the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. It's amazing how you can read that and not really even think about how miraculous that really is. Uh, but uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Um, and you know, another interesting thing I think about this uh, passage is, um, you know, they, they, they're afraid. I mean, obviously they're afraid at, you know, what they, what they see out there on the water. Because uh, your mind would tell you that no person could just walk out there on the water, so... What on earth is that out there? But to me, it often it also makes me think of the storm itself. And it's like they're looking out into the storm and into the waves and into the wind. And Jesus says, be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. So it's like these these difficult things that happen come from Him because He knows how to build our faith in Him and to... to Prove his faithfulness to us. You know, he he shouldn't have to prove his faithfulness to us, but he knows that he does, and and so he does. Not not grudgingly, not huffing and sighing and rolling his eyes, but he just he proves to us that you can trust me. And so it's like I'm going to put you out in this thing, and uh, everything's going to work out great. I read this thing recently. I thought it was really cool. They're talking about raising your kids and. Um, 
you know, in our society has warning labels on everything and everything could kill you. Everything is dangerous, you know, that you should like put your kids in a football helmet and like, you know, like strap a roll of toilet paper to their joints and, and everything. And it's like this thing said, you know, if your kid is doing something that they could potentially get hurt, don't tell them be careful. Tell them pay attention. And I thought, huh, that's really interesting. Because sometimes you have to just pay attention to the things that are going on around you. And to me, the sense of paying attention is a lot less fearful than be careful. You know. And so I think in, in, in life when God has us, anywhere God has us, I think paying attention is a lot better than being careful. In fact, the Bible says be careful for nothing. Uh, not and not careful in the way that we use the word careful nowadays, you know. But careful as in filled with care, filled with worry and and, re- and regrets and and angst and all those things. So, so this this storm has come to them, and Jesus says, you know, be good cheer as I, be not afraid. And so, um, God brings us through these things, and we we come out of them better. I read this, uh, or I listened to this um, podcast where this guy was interviewing uh, a retired Navy admiral, and he was uh, he, he was a former Navy Navy SEAL. He was uh, he actually was a uh, SEAL trainer, uh, like like the the big tough guys with the beards, not the guys, not the ones that balance the balls on their nose. And um, thank you, thank you, Tom. And uh, uh, he. Um, talked about all of these these difficult things that happened and how the the difficult things actually make things make you stronger and, and and that's what God knows about going through hard things because they had this training that they went through it was like a like a, a basically like a full-time job of exercise and and all this like all this stuff that they did and they had standards and you know, times that you had to meet and, and all these things. And if you failed an event, then you made the circus list. And the circus meant that you spent two more hours training after everybody else went home for the night. And so, consequently, you would be exhausted the next day and be likely to make the circus list again the next day because you're not going to be performing up to where you were. And so a lot of the the, the SEAL training People that a lot of those students would give up after getting into circus for two or three days because they would think I'm never getting out of this, and I'm just going. I'm, so I'm just going to ring the bell and quit now. But uh, this guy was he was saying that he was not a particularly good swimmer. Go figure why he wanted to be a Navy SEAL, but he uh, he ended up in the circus all the time because he kept failing the the timed swims. And so then after everybody else went home, he would spend another two hours swimming. You know, not like chilling out in the pool, but like swimming for distance, you know, and uh and speed. And he's like and he said, you know, I would manage to get back out of the the you know, where I wasn't on the circus every day, but a lot. And, and, uh, and he said at the beginning, I mean, he just he consistently was coming in last and ending up on the circus list day after day. By the end of the training, he came in first because he didn't quit. And he just he, you know, he was working more than everybody else because because he was 
he was behind. You know, so, um, uh, and I thought that was really interesting because, you know, our society has conditioned us to be so marshmallowy, you know, and it's like, I listen to this stuff and I'm like, yes, man, that's awesome. I should, I should, you know, yeah, you know, and, you know, and then I think, man, you know, what really sounds good is like a bowl of ramen and a Coke, you know, <laughs> Dang it! No, but uh, <laughs> but you know the the thing is is um, you know these difficult things you know God uses them to strengthen us not in your own strength but you find out that you can hold on to Him way better than you thought you could uh, when you need to and and so learning to hold on to Him in those stormy places makes it. Uh, Makes you more aware of uh, of his abiding care on the sunny days when everything is nice and, and smooth and the bluebird of happiness is on your shoulder. Uh, so so straightway Jesus spake to them and said, "Be of good cheer; it is I. Be not afraid." And Peter answered him and said, "Lord, if it be you, then bid me come to thee on the water." And he said, "Come." And Peter was come down out of the ship and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So he does this impossible thing, but God told him to do it. But he told him to do it because he asked him. Like, you know, it's like, well, I'd like, you know, I'd rather be out there with you. It seems to me it would be safer to be standing on the water with you than in the boat over here um, where things are not looking so good. I, I know what happens to a boat in this kind of weather, and however you got out here, that sounds like that would be safer to me. Um you know, but that's exactly what you want in those places that are difficult. You want to get out of the boat and, and go to him, you know, and uh, and it feels like an impossible place. I, I can only imagine what that must have felt like for Peter to just kind of gingerly put his foot down on the water and it like tap, 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 you know. And uh, I mean, if if, uh, if you've ever been up on something really kind of high and you're just sort of gingerly walking along. That's kind of how I imagine this being, you know. It's like, is this, okay, any second now I'm going to plunge to my death, you know. We call that the painter feeling in, in our industry, which means stop now and go back <laughs> and get somebody who makes more money than you to do it, which used to be me. You know, and it's funny because you have to get used to that stuff over and over again. I hadn't painted in months and months and months. And the first house we did this year, a big, big outside, the first one we did, I came out and helped everybody. I was going to kind of train some of the guys on spraying stuff. It was kind of a scary house. It was big. It was tall. It had really sloping roofs everywhere that you had to be able to get up on and get to siding that was like way out there. It's like, who built this thing? Who designed this house? But... Uh, I was thinking, okay, well, I'm I'm kind of the top of the pay scale here, <sighs> you know, and uh, and there was a lot of stuff that I did on that house where I was just kind of trembling, like, what happened to me? I've gone soft. <laughs> I don't want to get up here, you know. And then and then because God is a genius, He puts us together with people who think more clearly. And Mike said, you know. This is what Sam gets paid for. We pay Sam well to do this. And I was like, that's true, we do. 
like, Sam, get up there. He's like, all right. And he was like a cat. I was like, man, love this guy. So, so, yep. So my my better days are behind me, apparently. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, that's true. I think I've just I've I've uh, I've earned a good rest there, I suppose. Um, I don't know how many times if I had a dime for every time. You know, you ever hear like the the whole thing where a cat gets up in a tree and they can't get back down. I have done that so many times. Like, oh, I could get out there. This isn't so bad. And then you can't get back to the ladder. And you just you kind of reach for it with your toe, and then your body says no. No. And, and you're, you're having this argument with yourself. And it's like, it's like, I can't stay up here all day. I was like, I know, I can't get down either. So it was really fun when he used to work with uh, Sarah's brother, and he had his, his earbuds in. And he listened to music so loud you could hear it in the other room. And we'd be outside and I'd be in my little treed cat. I'm up on the roof. I, I need somebody to hold my ladder so I can get down. I'm like, Josh! Josh! And he's just down there. Yeah, I, tr- I tried calling him one time when that happened. His phone rang. I'm just looking down there, and his phone's ringing, and he's just working away. I like leaned out over the edge of the roof, sort of like beating on the siding. He looked up. He's like, huh. he's like, like you need something? Yes. So, so there's nothing like feeling like you're trapped, but you can't stay where you're at. You have to do. You have to move forward. You have to do something with it, and and God knows how to make that stuff work because I did that kind of thing for 17 years and I didn't die. So, uh, in but in life, you know, we all have those kinds of things in life where you you feel like you're just stuck, and uh, but God knows how to send you somebody to hold your ladder, and He knows how to hold your ladder. And if he has to, he'll just pick you up and like gently set you on the ground. You know, that's that's what he does. So he says, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. So he's kind of up to the ante this time. He's already done the whole boats going down thing with Jesus. And you know, Jesus was there on the boat last time. He woke him up. Jesus rescued all of them. And so he's gotten on the boat again. And the weather has gone bad again. And, um, and now you know, Jesus wasn't there. And now he is. And, uh, and so now he gets out of the boat. And now he's... Looking, uh, of course, at the, the the things around him, looking at the circumstances, because, I mean, your brain would tell you you're standing on nothing, and uh, uh, and the idea of standing on nothing, you know, uh, because it talks about the wind and the waves being boisterous, 
And it's one thing to be up on a high place that's kind of uncomfortable. It's quite another if it's like 30 mile an hour wind. You know, it's quite disconcerting. We used to have these like four foot long metal shields that we would carry around. And those things would catch wind like nothing else. You know, there were times I just I would be like crouched on a roof, like holding on. I've got my thing here. I've got my gun draped around my neck. I'm just waiting for the wind to stop. I'm like, peace, be still. <laughs> I don't think it ever worked. I guess my faith wasn't big enough. But, you know, you'd get that thing out there where the wind would catch it, and it would just, you know, it's really quite disconcerting. And about then you think, I'm going home now. You know, I'm going home before I end up going home. Um, like there's, I don't know how many times I would, uh, I'd be going up on the roof and I'd, uh, tell Mike, I was like, if I don't come back down, <laughs> it's like, tell Cynthia I love her. <laughs> well, it's like, well, at least she owns my half of the business too, so we'll be okay. Um, so, but, so he begins to sink and, uh. And I like how it says beginning to sink because it seems to me that if you were standing on the water and all of a sudden you weren't standing on the water anymore, just kind of be a, an instantaneous just you disappear under the water. You know, this this the way he says this beginning to sink almost makes it sound like he's just kind of sort of sinking slowly, and uh, you know, and maybe not, but that's what it seems like to me. And he says, "Lord, save me." And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. So so he, he rescued him immediately when he needed it because Peter couldn't afford for him to, to wait. You know, God knows when you can wait and, and when it would be good for you to uh, hang on for a little while longer. Um, but, uh, but he knows if you can't, then, then of course he's going to rescue you right then. And... Uh, so he reached forth his hand, he catches him, and he says, Oh, you of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And so I like that because he's, you know, again, he says the same thing that he said to him before. He's like, Why did you doubt? Why were you so afraid? And, uh, you know, and it's funny because, you know, we. We know how this all works, and so it's easy to read that and 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 imagine Jesus saying it in this "what the heck" kind of tone of voice. But you know, I think it's more a little more entreating than that. It's like, why would you doubt me? Like you, I you, I told you to come out here. What would make you think that this wouldn't work out okay? It's like, I, I sent you out on the boat in the first place. And then when I came out here because I knew you were having trouble, uh, you you asked and I told you, come on out here to me. Come on out of the boat. What would make you think that, that you would just sink and and perish in the waves? I'm right here. And, and, I, and I told you to come. Uh, you know, and so it's a, it's a precious thing because he's a rescuing God. But he, uh, again, he he confronts that sense of doubt with a question. It's like, why would you doubt? It's like, give me a reason to doubt, and, and not not the boisterous waves and the wind. That doesn't count. Like, give me a reason. 
you know, and as I'm so fond of saying, it's like somebody come up and give me a testimony of God failing you, letting you down, and just totally dropping the ball. Like It does not happen. It's like that scripture that John brought up a few months back about the you know, who is, you know, he that walks with the Lord and walks in darkness or however that went. I forget exactly now. But it's like, it doesn't happen. And so, uh, you know, it's like you can, you can go anywhere in life that God sends you. And you can go through anything in life that God sends to you. And, and you can trust Him that it's going to be fine. You know, uh, G. Campbell Morgan pointed out an interesting thing about this this passage because he said everybody focuses on Peter's big failure that he sank in the water. Nobody ever says anything about how uh, after Jesus uh, caught him and picked him up, it doesn't say they don't they kind of just gloss over the fact that he walked back to the ship with Jesus. Right. I mean, it doesn't say that word for word, but I mean, it's how else did he get back to the boat? I don't think Jesus picked him up and carried him back to the boat. I mean, maybe he did, but it doesn't. I think it would tell you if he did. That, then that, that's my thinking on that. But he 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 went out into this impossible place, and and he he got in trouble and God rescued him, and went right on back to the impossible place to get to the destination that God had in mind. Because I don't think Jesus planned on. Uh, walking the rest of the way, I think he was planning on getting in the boat too. So, so it's a precious thing because then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, "Of a truth, thou art the Son of God." And so, uh, and so then they they could see that that there was something about him that was more than anything that they had within them. But but because he lives in you, you have that in you. You have that that resource. You have that that um, that faith that you can uh, build up in His Word and in prayer. And and you can take comfort in the fact that if I'm floundering like Peter was when he was standing there looking at the waves, it's going to be okay because He's going to rescue me. He's not going to just be like, well, you didn't, you know. Like, you, you confessed it. You, you said that you were sinking, so I can't do anything for you now. You know, Mike and I talked to a guy back in January that, Said pretty much the exact same thing. Like if you say it, then that's that's just how it's going to be. I thought, show me that in the Bible. Like, have you ever had an angry kid that was like, like I'm going to run away? You know, and it's like, well, you said it. Now here's your bags. You know, see ya. I mean, my parents always used to tell me, don't if I didn't like it, then don't let the door hit me in the butt on the way out. But I don't think they meant it. So. Uh, so God's a, he's a, it's a rescuing God and you can, you can count on him to, to get you through no matter what, no, no matter what your storm might look like, no matter what the waves might look like to you. So Jesus, we just thank you for your, your great faithfulness and love and we just pray that you would do in us these things. God, that you would, uh, cause our faith not to fail. God, you told Peter that, that you had prayed for him that his faith would not fail. God, and each one of us, God, we are, we're holding to you in the things that we go through in life. And we just pray that our faith would not fail, that it would be strengthened and built up and established, God, and that it would be something that we could stand on. 
I'm just like Peter standing on that water, like you standing on that water. And God, we just pray that you would do in us as only you can do. God, uh, we have every confidence that you're going to bring us uh, safely to our desired haven. God, that the place that you have set out for us, God, you, you said, let's go to the other side. And so we shall. God, we just praise you. We glorify you and just pray that you would do in this place today exactly what you want to do. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.